0: Hey, welcome to episode 58 of the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. Now, before we rip into this episode, I thought I'd give you a bit of an update on uh, what's been happening lately. So it's been a very busy couple of weeks, organizing, planning, recording interviews, editing interviews, Um, been talking to listeners about their favorite episodes and who they'd like to have on the show. So that's been cool. Some upcoming episodes which we recorded just this week are the brilliant guitarist Jack Housden from The Bad Loves and The Whitlam's, uh, master musician, piano player, bass player Bill Risby, um, and Australian drumming legend Gordon Ripmeister. Now, Gordy and I sat down last night, hit the record button, four and a half hours later we hit the stop button, so I think that might need to be a double episode. Um, And continuing with the Roundtable series, um, we have a date locked in for the Guitarist Roundtable, um, which we are doing in partnership with the Guitar Speak podcast. Now, I don't pretend to know much about guitar, but Matt from the Guitar Speak podcast, I mean, he, he knows his stuff. So together with Daniel March, Mark Maloof, Ben Rogers, Pete Northcote and um, Michael Dolce, um, we'll be getting that one down. So can't wait. And um, finally, continuing on with the Spotlight series um, with that recent episode being Jeff Beccaro um I've decided the next one will be on Steve Gadd so that's going to be a lot of fun too so anyways as always thanks for listening and supporting I hope you're still enjoying it so now it's time for episode 58 with Brad Cora our guest today is New Zealand drummer, producer, songwriter and martial artist Brad Cora. Brad is currently part of New Zealand juggernaut band LAB. During our chat we got to talk about the forming of LAB um, and the band now in its current state, the recording process in detail of their upcoming third album. We talked about his early childhood playing in the family band and then together with his brothers going on to form another powerhouse band of the 2000s, Cora. Also, being a drummer, of course, we had to geek out on drums and drummers and drumming, and there's a bunch of other stuff in there as well. Now, what really struck me about Brad during this interview was his willingness, openness um, in discussing his musical process, LAB's process, and he gives away a, a ton of trade secrets. In an age, in my opinion, where people don't like to give too much away, this was extremely refreshing. Brad is a champion. A monster drummer and musician, and it's my absolute pleasure to be able to share this podcast episode with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, seriously, please give it up for Brad Cora. Cheers. I think we're rolling now. Welcome to the gig life podcast, Mr. Brad Cora. Cheer, 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 bro. What are you up to?
1: Oh, no, nothing. Just got back from the gym, so yeah, kicking back. It's 9, 9 p.m. here in NZ, so. yep, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, got a few days off.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Um, now you guys have just finished recording um, your third album, um, yeah, 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 yep, and you've also finished all your winter touring, and you guys also just won. Um, the uh, best video for the White Moldy Music Awards. Is that right?
1: Yes, correct. Yeah, we just had that on Saturday, so always are pretty stoked about that. How was that? Yeah, it was good. Eh? It was good to see a lot of up and coming maori artists, yep. and um, it's the second time we went there, and um, we're still kind of like in that kind of corporate scene. We're still like underdogs in regards to those type of things like awards and that because right. we're more like um roadworking band like kind of like yeah we're kind of like live bands as opposed to like um ceremony kind of singles bands yeah, I so understand, I understand. for us we kind of sit on the other side of the fence there to be at a um award like that was pretty cool you know yeah, it's that- like we don't we don't really see that side of the industry that kind of more like yeah radio kind of not really live band type of groups
0: right so so last last year were you guys involved with the um the New Zealand Music Awards yes yeah yep
1: yep yeah best up and coming group but um I think Drake's Project got their one at the Vodafone Awards yeah 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, well maybe this year so when when the nominations for that come out for this year
1: um, I think that one is November. I can't say anything yet, but yep, yeah, yep, something cool. cool's in store for us for that. So yeah,
0: awesome. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right, bro. So we'll ro- roll back to early days for you. So, um, you and your family, born and raised in Fakatani, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, yeah, bro. So tell me the first time you picked up an instrument, and and was it drums?
1: Yeah, uh, I was actually piano, so, okay, yep. but my dad had been playing music since like the 70s, and um, I think he had left his band and he was looking for some users, And I don't know if he had a fallout with his band, but um, my brothers and I started playing when we were like five or six. Yep. And then um, basically from the age of like seven or ten, we kind of started playing shows with dad or doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at bars. Um, pretty much for like 16 years straight. Yeah, right. So that started at primary school. And then, um, yeah, that was pretty much our childhood. So we'd have to like rehearse from 3 p.m. till 5, then load up the van. And then it was like uh, the RSA on Wednesday and Friday, then a Portuguese on Thursday. Um, and then Saturday was usually a wedding. And that went on from like, Primary right through to after school High school oh, wow Yeah see Didn't really have a childhood But we did we, we surfed a lot We did a lot of surfing And martial arts But yeah that's yep. about it
0: Yep um, Did you get any um Drum lessons Or was it all sort of Have you, have you, always, nah, been, have you always been On the job I, On the job player
1: Yeah yeah It was like um, Dad used to always have like We used to have loads of VHS's Of like um, Steve Smith and Jeff Piccaro and. Yep. Uh, Randy Randy uh Crawford, I oh, forgot his name, but uh yeah, we'd study. This one? Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, yeah when it's <laughs> like he keeps wiping his nose.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, the bird did or whatever. But um yeah. yeah, that was that was like I think every he kid had that in the eighties and then there was Steve Smith from Journey and yep. then I as, as the years went on, it kind of went into like, um, what's uh, Dave Wickle mm-hmm. ended up studying Dave Wickle. So, and then because we were gigging a lot, and there was a lot of hop um, drummers around that were actually like, um, seasoned, they went to school and that, and they would be playing up the bars, up the roads. So, as a young little kid, dad used to take us to watch them, right. and that's picked up a lot of tips off them,
0: right? Do you remember who so, those? Do you remember who those guys were?
1: Oh, man, there was Ian Hoonier. He had probably the best kind of like um, Boduru. He's an old guy now, but mm. um, his pocket, he had a real big, he kind of had like a Steve Gadd pocket. Right. Like sat right behind the um, <laughs> the bass, that like, really like pulled the band back in. He had a real deep backbeat on him. So yeah. he kind of picked that. And he was a big fan of just like just sitting on the one and the three. So it's like, or two and a four. Mm. So it was just always on. Mm. So um, he was always about like minimal, minimal stuff. And then as the '90s came along. I, I got into the whole because we were all metalheads anyway. Mm. But I started playing for like metal bands and progression metal bands. And then um, yeah, got into Meshuggah, started doing covers with them. And then I got into the like more um, polyrhythmic stuff yep. with that like, Yeah, so that came in. At, by hanging out with my cousin Richie Allen, who's uh, heavy metal ninjas, ninjas yeah, and he's yeah. a sound engineer mm-hmm. for um, LAB at yep. the moment. Yep. Uh, him and Charlie Bronson, and um, he's also playing bass for Cora. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Richie is. Uh, yeah, he was. He kind of took us to that hybrid level of kind of mathematical drumming. Right. I understand. Yeah, and, yeah, and then um, then Lorden came back from Queenstown, and it was like, man, there's this thing called dub. And I was like, it was electronic because he was into Porter's head and stuff. And then I was like, I'm really digging this. And then that's that whole manifestation of um, Shapeshifter and the Fat Freddy's was this underground scene and Trinity Roots. And we we were like, man, this we, this is something I never heard it before. It's just something new. Yeah. And that's when the whole Lady Six thing started to brew and the Black Seas. And it just the music scene. I remember the festival scene. This is about two thousand and three, but I remember no one was really supporting Kiwi music through the nineties or eighties. Really, right. there was like upper Hutt Posse or um, mm. you know those, but not really the Super indie groovy. scene. And yeah. it was a real like a indie scene. But then there was also um, a good house scene, but there wasn't really like a live band scene or live group scene in New Zealand. Mm. And I think. Uh, When the Fat Freddy's and Trinity Roots came along and they catch a fire, that's when the New Zealand festival scene just went up. So that was around about 2003 because, yeah, people weren't really going to festivals. They are going to bars in the NZ. It was mainly to watch international acts. And then, yeah, Rhythm and Vines was kind of like them and Sound Splash were the... Pioneers of um, festivals. Now they're just multi-millennials. So. Yeah, right. It, it was good that we we're a part of the first kind of seven years of, of that, uh, I would call it evolution of of um, live music. We're, yeah. we were part of that history, which is really cool. With Cora, I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, from from the eighties, those was all covers bands. Yeah. I feel like all the all the muses in New Zealand were really. There were monster musos in the 80s I reckon New Zealand had some of the best Bass players and guitars And drummers in the world In the 80s because everyone was like A Dave Wickle yeah. or the Nathan East Everyone was like, you know, because There was no internet You just, you get bored at home So you just yeah. practice and practice
0: you go, by you, the, you go by those videos and sit and watch them and learn them eh? yes. Yeah, and no, distra- no distractions eh?
1: no, Yeah, no, that was it yeah. So and um, and even at high school as a kid in in primary, um, being like cool at school was knowing how to play like a guitar part really well, or if you could play a certain groove, you're like, man, you're one cool dude. So that was cool in that era. So every kid I remember at high school was trying to fight to be the best, which yeah. kind of made everyone better. That's awesome. Because cool. I was like, I had you know weird deals like four drummers that I used to look up to and I'd be, oh, I've, I've got to be better than this. So you know, there was this competition and that's what in the eighties and nineties, man, there was some hot music. So. Yeah. And then um I think you and I come kinda come from that era. Yeah. Because you have got a you've got that pocket style too. So I was like, yeah. And I, I wouldn't say it's a dying breed. Like there's a lot of technical hot gospel drummers in that. Yeah. But um but can they the
0: thing with that though, like and I've always said it can can they really just lay it down? Because that that's a bi- yeah. that's a big thing about well, what I think about your playing, like you're you're a, um you you play for the song. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I was listening to Lab two these last couple of days, just like really listening to the drums. And I uh-huh. mean, you, you have you, you've got your places, um, yeah. But you're just laying it down, man. Like you can play from from bar one to bar sixty. Would maybe play two fills, two fills and one yeah. crash, or maybe you don't play the crash. And and I tell you what, man, that that there's not a hell of a lot of that going around. eh? like you watch those nah. gospel players; they can't do that, man. They get bored. Go do yeah, something else. It, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, uh uh the disciplines really dying, and yeah. there's some real hot hot events. I see some of the live X now. And there's some real hot stuff going on through the set, and it's like it's almost so slick that it's kind of loses a little bit of grease. Yeah. Sometimes if you just have a drummer, some band just sits in the pocket. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just let let the music just breathe, have a bit of space. But I think everyone's trying to like outdo each other with this monster set. Yeah. Sometimes it's cool just to kind of lay it down and just sit in a pocket. And I think a lot of that came with age and this uh, this is the third album I've produced just recently and yep. I've really learnt that the key to success in this game is just if you've got a good pocket and if you can really lay down that one, three or the two, four really well, got a beautiful backbeat, you, you'll stay in the industry for a long time. Yeah, man. And it, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I used to do all the old four over two double click. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, trip all over myself, you know. Well, let me—I mean, there's a place for
0: it. Yeah, right let now. me let me tell you the first time I I heard and saw Brad Cora, when I first joined the company, um, we had a whole bunch of original songs that the boys had written in, for their first album, so we I I learned all them, and then we were going uh-huh. going to go out and start playing some gigs, but we didn't have enough songs, so we started learning some covers, and we're in rehearsal, and and Ronnie said to me bro, have you heard Cora? And I said, yeah, I've heard of Cora. Um, have you heard their music? And I said, oh, I've heard Politician. That's the only song I'd heard. And he goes, and, yeah. and he goes, oh, they do this song called Flow. Oh, and I, okay, cool. Um, have you got anywhere? So they pulled up this video, and there's a live video of you fellas. You're in a tent. I think oh, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, You got the long dreads. <laughs> Stu's got the long dreads. <laughs> yeah. and you guys just start playing the song, and then when you just come in, I'm just like, fuck, man. Who's this fella? <laughs> you know? And uh man, like I, I studied I studied your parts for that song, eh? And and oh, almost shit. tried to do it note for note for that, that live version, you know, with the stop oh, and then the, the build at the end and Yeah, bro. So from from then <laughs> no, was... from yeah, from then Yeah, I was like fuck this fella, this fella can play, man. This is mean. And then yeah, oh, and then saw you live, I think 2013. When you came out with Cora and you, you fellows played the um, Oxford Art, Art Factory in Sydney. Yeah, oh, we, we were uh, right at the front, uh, so I got to see you play live and meet you at the back. Yeah. yeah, it was cool, man. Yeah. Oh, geez, man,
1: yeah. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. a few years now. I, yeah, I, uh, I do miss man. I, I miss playing with my brothers. I, I, we still play here and there, Cora. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a real magic moment. I think um, it helps having four brothers. Like I, I don't think it was really uh, there was some parts definitely in the drumming but I felt yeah. like being four brothers and that synchronization, that yeah. that glue that came from just being little kids and I think being genetically born together.
0: I, I there was that,
1: yeah. there's this um subconscious kind of like um communication. Like even if I was pushing it, I could feel my brothers like telling me and I'm like more like a, a subconscious It's hard to, to, uh, to, but my brothers and I talk about it, but Mm. we've been playing for so long, or a friend uh, tripped over a note. We all knew how to trip over the note together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we've been playing for so many years. We had these little, I wouldn't call them cues, but you just had this feel, and uh, yeah, man, when my brothers and I do get together, it's just like there's this glue I can't really describe, but Mm. this is real... Magic glue, but um, Magic, yeah,
0: yeah, that's just chemistry, yeah. right? It just yeah, comes yeah, to yeah. time. I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, bro, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I did. I talked. I spoke to friend last year, and he, you know, gave me a little bit of the history, um, into in Cora, um, and how it sort of began, and and you know the the EP that you did, and then the album, and did some touring, toured the US, um, and. What was really fascinating when he was telling me the story about the US like you couldn't you couldn't fudge your way around that tour ringing up different venues saying oh man I just sold out I just sold out this place because apparently they had this book the book that all the, all the other uh, um venues and stuff know about so if you were in all a right. town and nobody came the next venue knew about it you know
1: yeah, like, yeah right that's, yeah that's yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's a tough industry, man. It's yeah. a real tough industry. But uh yeah. man, that was a blast. Blast and um yeah, I think we did one there. I mean, Catchify go there like three times a year, twice yeah. a year. Yeah, they're they're, they're on
0: their way you... they're on their way back through here now. they they'll be yeah, I think they'll be here in um October. Here in Sydney wow. in October. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, we're doing a show with them in Perth. In Perth, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So looking forward to that and yeah, I mean America is um it's a real, they're real, like, um, the Americans are real forward. They're really, like, they, like, think really big. That's the one thing I noticed about touring America, whereas in, in the Europe, they're, um, oh, I wouldn't say they're classy, but there's kind of, like, a classiness about touring through Europe. That's, like, they're real veterans at what they want to hear. That's one thing you can say about the, um, the 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 Germans in that, but, Tour in Europe was mind blowing. That was yeah, well, probably the highlight of my whole career. So where did you go? Touring.
0: Where did you go through Europe? Uh,
1: we went there quite a few times. Um, we did Berlin, Belgium, Denmark, Copenhagen, Paris. Um, oh man, I can't remember now. And then always went through uh, England and stuff, and then Ireland as well. Tour through Ireland and mm. we'd come home and go back and come home, come back. Mm. so it was um, I think they went on for like six seven years Yeah, right. so um, yeah we're just back and forth back and forth and then I mean um, that was a great time and it was uh, I miss 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 the core days but um, you know as we got older the egos all got a little bit bigger and the money got better and so a little bit of politics here and there but yeah. it, it's all good it's, it's it's all good now. So mm. um, Laurie had left, and then I, I kind of followed on after. Mm. Um, it kind of got a little bit messy, and then I ended up playing for Kim which mm. was like a an experience. I, w- I would call it an experience. Mm. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah. But got to work with some really hot producers, some mm. Black IP producers and stuff. So oh, really? that's what led me into the production and sound engineering side of things. Yeah, right. Because I was only just like a drummer. I was just the guy that played drums. And I used to love songwriting a lot for Cora. Mm. But I really wanted to know like how like this compression works. So I started going on. Um, studio courses mm. and masterclasses mm-hmm. with producers that so would come over mm. yep. to New Zealand. And then while that was happening, I mean, this is leading into LAB, yep. um, I was looking for i um, I'd written a song called Old Man. It's off our first album. And um, I needed a singer and I was in my studio back in Fakatani, which is where I am now. And um, the Good Morning show came on in, and um i could hear this blues guy singing in the background it was crazy and i was like who's this guy so i pushed the tv back and uh there's this ginger on there and it was joel but he had a he had a stitches in his hands yes so um and he started singing i was like man this kid's gone i've just never heard a voice like that come out of this ginger voice. so i had looked him up i saw his name on the tv So I went on Facebook and I didn't even know we were friends on Facebook. He must have added me like years ago. Yeah. Oh, shit. So I messaged him and um, I said, hey, dude, I've got this demo. Would you be interested? He like replied like seconds later. Hell yeah, man. Um, Two days later, he sent me back the demo. But uh, before that happened, from his end of the story, when I gave him the – when I gave him the message, he was teaching the seven year old kid. And he was like, Man, I've just studied jazz. I've gone to these mean schools and yeah. here I am teaching a seminar. And I wanna be on a stage. I wanna be in a studio. He saw the message and he told the kid, oh, I just need to go to the toilet. Yeah. So he, he was <laughs> like, yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah. And then um, man, he went into the studio straight after like I sent the demo. And the demo came back like a day or two later, like real quick. Yeah. I was like Man, that's quick. So I hummed him the melody. I said, look, put your own words to it. This is the melody I want on it. Um, I gave it to Lordy, but Lordy wasn't really interested in it at the mm-hmm. time. I pushed play anyway, and my partner was in the kitchen doing stuff, just chilling out, and um, and his voice came up. And I I was just like... <gasps> I was just knew right there and then I was like, this kid, man. And she, she kind of, her head popped around the corner. I was like... I was like, yeah, that's that girl. I was like, and so I messaged him. I said, would you like to start a band? I've got my band LAB. Would you be interested? He like, hell yeah. Then he had the stitches in his hand, so we called up. And um, I didn't even know he was like this beast guitarist. Like,
0: oh, right. You'd only heard him sing? Oh. <laughs> well,
1: because he had stitches in his hand. So he came, he'd come over and I was giving him the lowdown. I said, oh, you know, da, da. And then he picks up the guitar, his hand got better, and he he, he started playing the guitar. And I was just like, oh, 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 oh man, <laughs> this kid's going to make me rich. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, so, and then from that day on, day on um, from that day, it kind of like he would come over like at least twice or three times a week, and we were just riding. riding. We didn't even know where we were going with this band. We were just like. Could this be something or is this just another project that's just going to fade away and die? And then I saw the hunger in his eyes. I wanted it just as bad. I wanted that feeling to be on that stage again because I was like going through this whole, man, I haven't played on stage for two years because I'm a live performer. Mm. That that's, that's what I was born to do. Yep. And um, same with Joel. So then it just manifested from there. Stu was in there. Um, and then we went through a couple of bass players and then we had Ara. Arda uh, needed a, a, our original bass player couldn't make it. He was with the Symphony Orchestra tour, I think it was the orchestra. So Arda filled in and then he said, yeah. And then from there on in, we kind of connected. The vibrations were right. Arda's uh, a really great accountant and he's a good manager too, because so, he manages Capify. He said, yeah, he's been the manager for, I think, 22 years.
0: Oh, he's so, still mani- uh, he still manages them now.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's oh, right. their booking okay. agent and stuff. So he's still part. So to have, because you've got your musical side of the industry and you've got, you know, you can write some songs, you can put some videos out. But what's more important or just as important is you have to have a strong team. And so, kind of like the stars all align, we had Ada, who's a really great uh, manager. He knows the industry, he knows people promoters and stuff. There was my part as well. I mean, Joel was this fresh kid who was who knew theory and he knew how to read. So everyone had really big parts of this team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that's, what kinda, that's when I knew I started to work out, this is going to go really well. We've got a strong team. We've got a really tight, really tight, like no one can kind of penetrate this. I knew that because of the background of the people that were in the band. Yep. And then we needed a record company. And I remember hitting up uh, Mikey Tucker from Loop Records, who we're with now. And I was by myself. He just didn't even reply. And then we did She's Gone. I think we just recorded it that day. And I sent it to him. I said, man, we're nearly done this album. He said, send me a song. I sent it there. He called me straight up. He said, all right, oh, man. where are you? Let's get the contract, signed it up. And, um, oh, wicked. So he's our booking agent, Mikey Tucker. So Mikey Tucker used to have Trinity Roots, I think Black Seeds. I think he had Lady Six. He's He's been in the industry a long time. Um, he had Cora as well. And I, he was, I know he's a shaker and a mover, and he's a good friend of ours. So I was mm. like, I need a shaker and a mover, someone that's really driven, and he never turns off a switch, and he's one of those guys. So he was all in, and now the team we've got, with LEB. The business team is really strong. Our booking agent's really strong. Um, Yeah, it's just everything's on lockdown. So, the wheel's gone like this now. Before, we had to like push the car. Yeah. We're just like sitting there. It's just, it's just the wheel's turning now. And it's getting to a point where we started to get more tour managers in and, and yeah. on stage uh, monitor guys. Now we got in-air guys, like it's yeah. just gone from this little group plan to like 300, maybe 200. to like we're selling out all our venues now and we need more guys. It's just the machines yeah. getting bigger, yeah. which is really cool. And yeah. uh, I realized then, geez, man, I, th- I think I know the formula to music finally. Yeah. <laughs> to make a band successful, I'm kinda okay, this is how it works. And man, that's good. Cool. Yeah. Could I t- should I tell people or will I lose a bit of bread and butter on the table? So it's kinda ooh, you know
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's um it's crazy that the wheel is um it's just yeah, it's hummy, man. Like the team we have is just real strong. It's yeah,
0: crazy. And, and and with that, that would allow you guys especially this time around in the studio, to totally totally relax on all the business side of stuff and just focus yeah. on your songs, eh?
1: Totally, man. I mean, yep. the first time we'd done the album, we had to kind of be everything. We had to like... But um, NZ On Air has been really great. They've given us three grants three oh, years in a row. Mm-hmm. So um, for albums, which yep. which just contributed... And then I always think if you release an album and not singles, that's the secret to um, getting a fan base because I think if you release like a real hot single here and there, you're going to have not enough depth. Mm-hmm. So people, but I think if you release an album, because we're an album band, we're not a singles band.
0: Right.
1: Right. So you'll get, you get some bands that have got really hot songs that are always on the radio, but then they'll tour and they can't even fill out a venue. Yep. And and I feel like that's all kind of formula of like album bands is still a success story you can still use. And that's what we are. You mm-hmm. kind of, we don't really write hits or singles. We kind of write an album where you hopefully it's a journey to us. Like we try and go on a journey on our albums as well. Mm-hmm. The idea is anyway. And um, people, you're always going to end up with, I call them super fans. They're just going to listen to you for the rest of their lives and you're yep. going to have that. And then eventually you have more super fans, it gets bigger. And then year after year, year like Catchify and Fat Freddy's and Blaxies constantly selling out because they've got their super fans that just are, you know, they're just loyal to you. Yeah. And that comes down to albums. And I think um, that's one of the formulas is um, having the old single and the old video release here, and then having nothing for six months, and then another single just doesn't quite cut it I think you're cool it's cool but um, in the long run um, I feel like their albums were out to a single a singles artist or mm-hmm. to a point then you've got your super artists like you know right. they just release really singles and they're just monsters so. yeah. but yeah at this at our level I think doing albums is kind of a, a real big thing to do
0: yeah Um. Yeah. at what at what stage did you come up with the model of album tour a year? Because you've done it three years in a row now. Um, well, um, or, or, we're, we're, or, or, or we're actually
1: addicted it... to studio. We're actually addicted to like, um, we love songwriting. Like yeah. the other, it's like a little kid. As soon as we get to the studio, he gets all like, oh, like <laughs> to us, it's the, it's the, um, because it's, it's scary. The first album, we kind of had some songs pre-produced or pre went into pre-production. Yeah. But the second and the third album, which the third album I'm really stoked about, we literally on the day had a blank canvas. Yep. And I was like, like will you stay at that it let's see where we go with it. It's a big yep. risk because you're paying like thousands a day. Yep. But um, what happens is that you create some sort of magic because it's in the moment. And that's something that when you when you write something so much and it's so perfect, it, you lose the grease, the song loses the grease, it loses that um those human errors, that moment of chemistry because it's you get some people that just the songs are so polished, they're so um yeah, they're just so clean cut that there's just no grease in the song. Yeah. And we wanted this third album especially to be like yeah, is that it? Yeah, are we going to push record? Oh, shit, here we go there, push record, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it, it was scary. Every day we were scared. Oh, awesome. It was It was like, it was, but that was part of the...
0: Well, that's living too, of, man, isn't it? That's living. Oh,
1: <laughs> that's It was yeah. magic. There was some yeah. moments, man, we were in the studio and I was sitting there and all the boys and you could just... I thought we were like in, on clouds, it's just... We are in boys, we're like locked in and yeah. We kept a lot we kept a lot of mistakes that you probably won't even realize. We just left some of them in there because yep. that was part of that grease, that chemistry. Yep. Some of the groove goes in and out of the thing, but that's part of that chemistry again, you know. People so, don't
0: care, man. People don't care. Yeah. you know, especially the yeah. super, especially the super fans, bro. Like They'll they'll, yeah. they'll they'll probably already analyse it, going, yeah. They, I reckon they did that on purpose. I reckon <laughs> they sat there. And we're going to slow down on this part and speed up. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and you um, need that. I think if you layer it so much, it dies. Yeah. The song starts dying. It gets a little bit generic. You know, it's so, like, oh, here comes the big breakdown off after the bridge. We kind of wanted to be more earnest in what we're doing on the studio. Yeah, and you'll hear it too. It's so, like, oh, here these boys. Feels like some some of the songs are like Steely Dan takes where you hear like some real big stuff ups and they just <laughs> kept kept it in the record, you know, and we're oh, like awesome. leave it in. And yeah. It's kinda of like, Oh, should we?
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cause uh, um yeah, yeah. we had Joel uh on the podcast in April, back in April, and he he you guys had just come back from week one of the studio. Oh right. Yeah. And he said you went down there with a blank canvas. Um you basically had finished one song and had three or four others sort of on the boil. And yeah. the other thing he said to was what there was one song there that you heard some symphony orchestra stuff, and you wanted that to happen. Did are you able to tell us if that if that went down? If you ended up getting the symphony orchestra? Yeah, right. we yep. did.
1: Oh, um, yeah. We got like a uh, a, 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 an, um, a guy Mahuya, who's part of like they call him the Black. Quartet Soprano, something like that. Um, Mm. and he does stuff for like Macy Ricker and and a lot of artists. Uh, I think he did stuff for Stan Walker, Mm. so we got them in. It's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like an old school kind of Sam Cooke tune, like that. Um, A Change Gone Come, Mm -hmm. yeah, that vibe. And um, we wanted to do the song in the moment, like one take. So you push record, there was no. Overlay, we just everyone had to just play because that's how it was done in the 60s. They just push record, and if you stuffed up, you just didn't get the job. And we wanted that moment, so I think we're having dinner. Um, <laughs> I'm a real bad producer because I go through <laughs> ups and down moments, so the boys might be just about to have dinner, and I'll come out of the toilet having a crap and then I like, this idea comes up and I'm like, we can't do, we can't have dinner. And they're like, why not? <laughs> We've got to go to the studio. Now I've got this, and that What's how that song happened. I was walking out of the hallway and they are just about to say, you can't eat, you can't eat, get in the studio. And they're like, okay, we, we can't eat. And then they went in and we recorded and we didn't have dinner for like hours later because it felt and, like in my head, it felt like this has to be done now. The universe is saying, this has to be done now. And the boys are really good like that. They're yeah. like, let's go, let's work. You know, we're there to work. And we I think we finished recording at about eleven thirty at night. And then we started doing like a light mix down until about five in the morning or something. Mm. But um, yeah, some of will finish sometimes six AM. Yeah. Then we shut the studio down for three hours and then we carry our nine thirty all the way around to six AM in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty much how we spend time in the studio. Like it just goes around the clock, never stops.
0: So that's the surgery in in Wellington? Yeah, Yeah.
1: we live in there. So I sleep in the mixing area. Right. Right. Where all the compressions are, my bed's right there. Um, (laughs) Ada sleeps in the vocal booth. Yeah. Um, Joel sleeps by his guitar ends. Stu sleeps where the couch and kitchen is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Ada will, his shift starts about 10 at night, 8 at 9 at night. And he'll, he'll he'll record us from nine to whatever, five, might be five in the morning, six in the morning. or we'll do his editing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we'll all be asleep. And then I'll get up, Stuart will get up and Joel. And our sound engineer will come in and Miharu will come in. Um, our keyboard is Miharu. Mm-hmm. And then we'll work from 9.30 to about six. Mm-hmm. Have dinner. Then we start falling apart about 10.30 or mounting away. Mm-hmm. And others... He his switch comes oh, on. Wicked. And that's how we work. It's like a hundred hour week. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, w- I was gonna a uh, I was gonna ask you know, the videos that I've I've seen you fellows put up, um others looks like he's engineering it. He's sitting yeah. there. Um but you you obviously have some other people in there as well, some some engineers. Yeah. That, yeah. And...
1: So Udder will fill in on the night shifts because our okay, our okay. main engineer finishes at uh, six PM. Okay. And then usually we have a few beers and dinner and then all the boys get the second one. Then I start pulling out the video and Ado, he carries on uh, sound engineer. So he's co-sound engineer for the second album and the third one. Yeah. And he really wants to be, he's one of those guys. He's like, he's a tutu out with gadget stuff. And yep. so he, he's learning compression. He's really good at it now. Mm. I mean, we've, literally this band has lived in the studio for three years straight. Like (laughs) it's a long time. You get to understand all the mics and compressions.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. For for me, like tonally from the three albums and only having heard the one song off the new album, it's, it's going up. It just like, I, I, um, I've been listening to personify a lot in my car over this last week. And just before, just before you and I hooked this up tonight, um, I started listening to it in the headphones and fuck man. Just blowing <laughs> away, eh? So can Can, can, can we play yeah. that can we play that now? We'll, we'll, yeah, turtle. Can you hear it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, all right. Awesome. That's
0: that's me, Hutter. Is it Miharu? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that's Mihu. <laughs> that's
0: what I wanted, is it? All oh, right. Like a choir yeah. choir thing. Yeah. Yeah. love that fuzz yeah, yeah the big muff it's called yeah. the big muff the big muff right yeah
1: When on I want the
2: hot girl I, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: First time I heard it, when I heard it fade out, I was disappointed, eh? Because yeah. to me, it, it felt like I wanted to go more, and I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I want some more. <laughs> yeah, but, oh,
1: yeah a few people said that.
0: Oh, did they? Right, yeah. right. Did, yeah. Was, was that, did you guys do that on purpose? Yeah, it kind
1: of makes you want to go back and play it again. That,
0: that's, that's a it. technique yeah.
1: you use sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you if you drag it out too long, they're kind of like, all right, now I've had enough of this song. Yeah. yeah. But then if you keep that anticipation up, it's a. It's kind of like a bit of an old pop technique, right? <laughs> made it yeah. out so that okay, can I play it again? Oh, yeah. me more views on my Spotify. I get an extra four cents.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I think you, you get a bit more on uh, Apple Music, eh? I think yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, how far into the recording of the album did that song come about?
1: That came in, I think, because we'd done about nine weeks, and I think they came in on the fifth week. Okay. Um, and it was written in the moment. We had no song. We're sitting in the studio. We're wasting a lot of hours. Well, two hours, really. Not really a lot, but mm. I think every minute's just dead money to me. So I'm kind of like, ugh. But yeah. um, Joel and I sat in the studio, and I said, man, I just want something, a three-chord structure, something just feels in. We played it. We had no vocals, no melody. Um, we just ding jing ding ding check, ding, ding, ding. And then I said I want a little bit of red hot chili peppers, um, a little bit of a um, little bit of Lenny Kravitz feeling about it. Hmm. Um, and so we used the SG because the S G guitar's got a real forward sound. It's yep. real in your face, real Black Sabbath kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um we used the Fender Stratocaster, but it was a little bit too open. It was the wrong vibe. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that was a big part of it, to have that kind of SG. And then with the drums, pretty much all on those the first, last two albums, the drum kit we use is a real old Gretsch, but the sound of it gives it, I mean, it's not really, like, pushy or articulate, like, what modern drums sound like today, but mm. it's got that a bit of authenticity about it, that real mm. vintagey vibe about it. So mm. um, I felt like when I was producing it, it was a combination of the drums um, and the guitar had to have a cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. And then the cohesiveness of that was like the front. And then I felt like the baseline usually is the the foundation, but that had to be the the melody in the background. And that's what gave it the separation. Mm-hmm. So um, the scary thing is lately we've been writing the whole riffs and everything and recording it, still no lyrics, no melody. <laughs> scary, man, because yeah. then you're like, okay, I'm actually going to find a melody for this now. Yeah. yeah. So the boys will usually have dinner and then I'll sit in the studio by myself and then hum the melodies, get the lyrics, and then Joel will have his dinner, have a hour break, and then we slam in the vocals. Mm. Uh, we record it at night. We let the song simmer. Boys listen to it, and then we get up in the morning and Joel's like, oh, let's change this melody. And it's usually the day after in the morning that we actually find out this is the melody. That's mm. how our process has always been with all the songs lately.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's scary.
0: Yeah, I I, I was going to ask you about your... um. Thought process to your drum sounds um, yeah. You kind of answer that um, So you've kind of specifically Gone in wanting that Sort of, it's definitely that 70s tom Indeed. sound You know, al- yeah. like almost With the, the Remo muffles it, it, Yeah, It's it's kind well, of that well, Kind of, and, and yeah, to me well, t- To me, I, I mean I, th- I think that music that you guys are doing To have a drum kit with these Do, 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 it would I think take away from um, the vibe Like you said Yeah The vibe and the The foundation it would just get in the way We get in the way In yeah. the way of guitars And get in the way Of those bass lines and the, and the The synths Doesn't need to be there But you just With those dead Sort of drums The attacks there And the articulation yes. Of the drummers there it it just doesn't it doesn't have that resonance. And I, I reckon it's awesome. I reckon it suits your music.
1: Yeah, it? I um, I mean, because everyone was using like Steve Slate and and um, yeah, premium drummer. And what's happening was it almost sounded generically the same. You know, it's mm-hmm. like man, mm-hmm. I can hear it. There was no like that sounds like like Steve Gad had his sound. Yeah, um, Meshuggah had their sound. He had that kind of real No, nice kind of like. I would call it Living Colors sound, yep. and that Will Cahoon vibe. And I wanted to have, I could have gone there, I could have gone there, I couldn't get, but I wanted to go, it was a risk. I mean, it's very old sound. It's a very old school first album of Black Sabbath, almost, mm-hmm. almost a bit of old school kiss, bit of disco yep. almost. Yep. But um, I specifically wanted that because it just would give LAB overall a different, we would stand out differently from everyone. Not better, just differently. Just it would different. put us in our own lane. And I yeah. think that's really yeah. important to survive in the industry because yep. a lot of a uh, lot of bands in New Zealand that are they're almost using the same generic fills and the same tones. It's like, right. Boom, right. And it's like, exactly. you can't tell one drum kit from the other anymore. It just mm-hmm. sounds like they've just slammed it into triggers, mm-hmm. put Steven Slate on there, picked mm-hmm. the most... Cooler sounding toms, but it's very generic. And I was real, I want to say, I would almost say real stupid, but I just wanted to do something where we're in our own lane. Yep. It might not be the most articulate or the nice, biggest, nicest tones, but it's that LAP sound now. Yeah, the well, this sound.
0: this is my point. This, this is what makes it stand out to me, um, than the other stuff. It's it's a specific sound, you know. It's 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 a vibe. It's your vibe, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. So so how does that how does that sound translate over to live? Because you know, I mean, you guys play a lot of festivals, and you know, when you come to Australia, you'll be playing. In, when you're in the different states, you'll be playing on different drum kits. Um, yeah. Do you are, are you going to be asking for a certain type of drum set? Well, or you, um, can, you can just what happens- make happens.
1: Yep. Our sound um, live with Richie um, is a phenomenal front of house dude. Yeah, but uh, we use a more brighter overall. Everything's brighter yep. mainly because everyone's in a uh, sitting in a the crowds in a different frequency together, Understood. so yep. they want to hear everything more glittery, more brighter, and that's okay. So we, for starters, we always like go up about three to five BPMs every song because right. it's that vibe right. and then um man p- to be honest there's nothing i think lab's power is that when we play a set it's like a journey like we play the song it has a consistent tempo but i love pulling back the tempo on my verses and the boys understand it before joel sometimes would be like oh you're, you're pulling but that's what creates dynamic and journey so on the chorus I'll sit on the, on the click we're not playing to click but on yep. side, the the size that like and it makes yeah. the crowd kind of the air gets a bit of air candy you know the air, the <laughs> human <laughs> air gets a bit of air candy yeah. and then yeah so oh, that's why when we perform live I think that's when our real chemistry comes out yeah, it's when we perform live and a lot of that's to do with the tempo and the dynamics that we bring Yep. Yeah, it's quite a um, it's an art form performing live. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I can't wait till Sydney, man. Really can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, pop,
1: yeah, can't wait to catch down, man.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys, I think um, are you getting close to selling Sydney out?
1: I think it's like <laughs> only got well, fifty tickets left. I think. Oh really? Like,
0: oh yeah, awesome! That's Not great.
1: too far, I think so, because um, we've sold out every other venue. Yeah, yeah,
0: Bar, yeah, yeah. Perth and Sydney one,
1: but yeah, I think well, the, per, not the too Perth, the Perth's
0: the catch a one, eh? Yeah, that'll
1: be yeah. sold out. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perth's always a big go, but um, we're really surprised that we even sold tickets. We were shocked, to be honest.
0: Yeah,
1: um, really? and then, then we had to do a double show in Brizzy, and that basically sold out straight away again. The yeah. second show, so. Yeah. Yeah, the boys are over the moon. And it, it helps with um, when you play at festivals and stuff. Promoters start getting wind of it, and that's how your fee kind of goes up, you know, when it comes to the business side. Yep. So soon as they hear, oh, selling out, oh, no, now their fee's gone up, <laughs> you know, <and> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you start playing the money game, you know. Yeah,
0: you yeah, and you can kind of move up your spots too on the, on the bill, that's eh? That's right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So yep. – uh, we're basically using the same formula and, and tips from Cora. We had a really right. great manager and uh, we're in a great time of the music industry where, well, personally, I picked up a lot of, I wasn't just a drummer. I was always oh, set my ear on the ground, even at meetings and that, I was like, take this in, I'll take that in, and, you know, Yeah, yeah. all that kind of accumulated over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's You got to know how to play the game. It's a definitely, you yep. uh, know, it's a hard business. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> yep. oh, it's um, dirty,
0: eh? I don't quite know at the level you guys do though, but um, yeah, different scene here, bro. Different, completely uh, different. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, scene. man, it's so it's so cool to see. Yeah, you guys basically have sold out Australia. That was awesome. Because I remember yeah. there was a. I remember you guys put up a post. Where do you think we should play? it was almost like, oh, you know, are we going to have the fans here to to yeah. play a met, to play a metro, or do we just play somewhere smaller and um... Bondi Beach, Bondi Beach <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at the hotel, yeah, or, or Rudy who RSL again, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yes, so that that was part of what we had to do because our, our management was like, she would just put the feelers out. We're like, oh. Okay, we weren't really confident in it. And then right. uh the next day I think there's like over a thousand comments. It
0: yeah,
1: was like, yep, yep. Okay. So in Australia.
2: <laughs>
0: I was <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So have you got a release date for the third album?
1: Yes. Um so I think the the very first week of December. Yep. But um, at the moment, the boys have just finished. So we filmed Personify about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, yesterday and on Monday, Joel and uh, Miharu filmed the second video, which is called In the Air. You'll, you'll love that. In the Air, is oh, like awesome. a Steely Dan vibe. Awesome. It's really yeah. just like a good cruiser song. Mm-hmm. So they just filmed, finished filming that in South Island with the same director. Uh, Would have moved more. And... Um, and then they get two weeks off, and then we're filming the third video. Um, yeah, we're just go, go, go. And oh, then that's
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, and then basically um, we're going to go into a fourth album next year, but it's going to be with an orchestra, and it might be a little bit electronic, so uh, a little bit of a mixture, but we're going to try and get an orchestra with, on the whole album, make it oh, something wow. really – yeah, so – I said, "Oh, let's do five albums." The boys were like, "Hell yeah!" Like, because we love, we love writing songs, man. <laughs> yeah. We,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, it's like that. You you you're chasing for the the gold, but you don't want it. Yeah, you know. And yep. I I I don't think none of us want to kind of really get to the top. We want to yep. like that hunger because you start to lose the hunger. Yeah. Um, a lot, a little bit of that happened with Cora. We got so up the lap five. The latter was kind of like. Yeah, didn't appreciate things. Me personally, I didn't appreciate a lot of things as much. Whereas this time, we're a lot older, a lot wiser, and we like chasing the. Uh, I like, I love to chase. You know, the whole yeah. oh man, let's let's do another album, and Oh, we're gonna meet a deadline for three videos. Let's do some videos. You know, that whole yeah. that that and we're all hungry, man. Like yeah. we always talk about it. Joel's just like, yeah, let's go. So yeah. Yeah, we, Listen, we...
0: Listeners, you yeah. can't see Brad's face, but he's got a massive smile on his face, Hey, while he's telling us this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, joy, it's joy, man. Yeah. Oh, it's wicked. So good to see yeah. you. Good yeah. Good to yeah.
1: Hear. So yeah. It's, that's, it's the chase. That's what's... I reckon it's bigger than the actual... than getting to the end. I don't think yeah. none of us want to get to the end. Mm.
0: We want to yeah, constantly, why, like... Why yeah. would you? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know from a recording point of view, for me personally, when recording session is finished I get depressed <laughs> I just yeah. want to go and do it again you know it's just it's the best thing exactly yeah, man and man. we not were quite like the, not, not quite the level you guys again but um, even if it's just a little recording session for me oh, like, it's
1: still I, the same thing man yeah. it's still the yeah, same sure. and, yeah that's why I was like when they coming in the end, I said, Oh, should we do a fourth album? And he was like, Yup, I was like, Yes, fourth album. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then yeah. I think I said, five albums? So I'm like, hell yeah, bro, let's do five. Cause you want to go to your deathbed, eh, and be like, Yeah, I did this, you know. And a piece of you is gonna be stuck on that album yeah. and forever, for 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 forever and ever. So, mm-hmm. you know, when our time's done, you can say, Man, there's a bit of me still left there. Well, there's a lot of me, it's going to be four albums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I think we all want that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Now, um, martial arts, bro, when did that start for you?
1: Oh, when we were young. So, yeah. my, my uncles in, in the 80s all black belts under a Maori martial arts um, club called Rangatao Aotearoa. Mm-hmm. It was a, quite a brutal art. It was like a mixture of kickboxing, mutai, and um, karate, and kayo kushin. Mm-hmm. So we all got thrown into that. So, and we all, we were 80 kids, so we all wanted to be Arnold or mm-hmm. Bruce Lee.
0: Bruce Lee, so,
1: Yeah, and Lordy was yeah. always quite theatrical. And, oh, he could do all the, and we're always like hitting stuff, you know. And <laughs> uh, Lordy in the 90s, started competing, like full multai, multi, mm-hmm. like hard at, yeah. So he was hard at competing, and then I was doing some kickboxing, and Jiu-jitsu, and then I was off my kickboxing gym pretty much right through all of 2000 up to today and like hard out and then...
0: So, sorry, when, when, did, you start, when did you start your gym? When did you open oh, your
1: gym? Oh, that's been going for whoa, 13 years now, I think. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so um, we, um, yeah, long time. But as a business, it's been going for six, seven, eight, nine, eight. Eight years, nine years as a mm-hmm. business. Yeah, so, yeah, that like it's a serious business, but I've been coaching like years before that. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu mainly and kickboxing. So, yep. yeah, highly addicted. So, yeah, my um, my guys are all fighting next weekend and my son as well. So
0: mm-hmm. we've been yeah, training saw, every day. Yeah. Saw a video of your son kicking yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man.
1: Oh, he's a little go man. He's yeah, real good boy.
0: Eh?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yo, he's
1: a little pretty. Yeah, he just goes yeah, awesome. full. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got the big nationals next weekend, so they've been training like once, twice a day, real mm-hmm. hard. So mm-hmm. between doing lab and the themes and and I'm um, yep. running a gym. Mm-hmm. My partner works out Terrace, so she's got some big owls out there. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're full on, man. It's yeah. Nice. Full on, but it's cool. Oh, oh, and Fortnite, play a lot of Fortnite. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, um, um. So apparently, you've got some extra check on luggage. Have you? you take yeah.
1: Some ex- <laughs> I used to take a whole PC, so like, <laughs> and a TV monitor, keyboard, mouse, <laughs> like a big, big box, and I used to tour <laughs> that, and then set it up in the hotel, and I have my own streaming thing going on in hotels, and but I ended up buying a real. High quality uh, laptop, so I can Got leave it. the PC at home. In there. But I still carry the whole PC. It's huge. The PC, it's it's thirty kgs. Check it out. <laughs> and that <laughs> it's yeah. it's th- it's huge. Like it's monstrous. Yeah, yeah. And, that,
0: and that was your che- That was your chicken chicken baggage.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, man. Ah, yeah, oh, crazy. Okay. So um so,
0: yeah, plug it plug it into big, the Kurie Lounge. Eh? <laughs> yeah, 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 hard yeah, out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. to plug it up there. Catch it yeah. used to look at me like that's nuts. Yeah. Big uh a huge bloody uh mouse pad, like a big one, like a meter long, and I'll be like chuck, chuck, chuck. <laughs> yeah,
0: <sorry. laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now um so yeah, got you got the Australian tour coming up. Next month, um, you. Uh, what are you guys doing, sort of, over November? Because when does your festival season start? Or when when um, do you guys start doing? Your, yeah, December, your pretty much. Summer? December, yep.
1: Yeah, but I think we got little shows here and there with Cora and LAP between kind of November, December, and then pretty much from December, it's almost almost like every day. So all the way up to March, April, maybe May. Oh, awesome. So January, February, months. So yeah, we we're with Fat Freddy's tour. Um, it's a real, real big band, which I can't name right now. Yep. One time, yeah, the biggest New Zealand band, but um, I can't put their name up. But yep. Yeah, uh, just the real, all the major festivals and stuff. So yeah, Homegrown, uh, WOMAD, we just got that locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'm trying to get us on to the international WOMAD scene. So we do Adelaide, um, I think it's Melbourne, uh, England, Malaysia, Singapore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's that's an awesome circuit to go on, real Mm. big, real fancy. So yeah,
0: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about international outside of Australia. So um, apart from that sort of that uh, Womad circuit, is there other other places you're looking at? Possibly going to Europe again, but but total lab. Yep. I
1: think um, to be successful you have to jump on the back of a band that's already successful Okay. so to build a fan base the, the secret is to not like have success in your country and then go to another country and just hope that people turn up that's a real bad way of doing it I reckon the best way is to get like a big band let's say Fat British drop they were sell out over in, in Europe and try and be the support band for them and then their fan base watch you. That little fan base, so you might get the old fans here and there, they spread the word, and then you come back to New Zealand, and then you follow them again, or you get another band, and you support them, and that's how you build your fan base. That, to me, is the less headache way. Um, we did do a Europe tour and an England tour where we just like, man, we're doing really well in New Zealand. We went in, in Australia, we went to England, and we were no we and the major places in that, we're selling out, but the little places people I don't even know you. But, you know, that's what you do. But I learned from those years ago, going, all right, it's best to be a support band for a major band, and you feed off their fans, and you kind of build, that's how you build your fan base. Mm-hmm. Trying to go out there and trying to expect people to turn up to a show in a country you've never been to is probably the yeah. worst idea. You'll come yeah. back broke. Uh, ego gets a little bit smashed from having no one at some of the shows. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that that that's the smart way. And that's what I think we'll go for more, to be on the back tail of someone really successful.
2: Yeah,
1: Unless you great. do a song that's really big and then you mm-hmm. don't need that. But in the meanwhile, that would be the best
0: way. Mm. Um, The logo, the Personify logo, it's the LAB logo. Can you explain that new
1: Oh, I can't because our record company did it, but um, – Oh,
0: right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: so So um, I think it says LAB. There's actually says yeah, yeah, LAB. It's, yeah,
0: yeah. it says LAB and there's – yeah, it's like oh, – It I'm looks like
1: eyes or something. Yeah,
0: there's some, some eyes and nose, mouth, and yeah. uh, like the ocean and the mouth and waves and, yeah.
1: Some boys were for it. Some were against it. Um,
0: okay.
1: I was kind of neutral. I kind of liked it, you know, didn't yep, mind yep. too much, but um, I was mm. – I was, I was, I was, we're thinking of going for more of that old-school, solid gold, ready-to-roll vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's what we're trying to look for in our logo. So, Right. Um, and Stu was real, like, vocal about it. He said, man, because I had this old design and it looks so, like, RTR Countdown or something. <laughs> Just had that. I was like, that's LAB because we're really old-school vibe, you know? Yep. Almost like a night Kiwi vibe. <laughs> yep,
2: yeah, yep,
1: yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, it, it probably changed quite soon. But, yeah,
0: um, that's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, World Cup, Rugby World Cup starts um, this week. Yeah. Now, you guys presented some vinyl to the All, Back, All Blacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah how did that, how yeah. did that come about? That's pretty cool. Something, something oh, like I... the uh Jamming I think in the, the dressing rooms,
1: eh? That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's quite cool. I think when they were lining up and meeting the mayor of Tauranga and stuff, and Joel was last, and when they got to Joel, they were kind of got a bit fanboy with Joel. They like, oh, really? it's Joel from LAB. Can I get a phone They were buzzing out. So oh, Joel wow. present. yeah, the principal of that high school said, can you present these records LA LAB records? In? And I think they already had them, the, the all-black schools. So. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, uh, and I think we had the Black Caps, they were they're big gallery fans, from yep. controlling that, they used the song, which was quite mm. cool, and yeah, it's getting around, you know, like the, yeah. the, the vibe, it's getting around, it's getting cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Um, Now, just back a little bit on your um, drumming technique. Now, yeah. I, I notice when you play, like you you play with the, it's almost like a real it seems like you got a really short stick, but you play all the way at the the back of the stick eh? almost with your little finger sticking. Yeah, out. sticking yeah. out. Yeah. Have so you always get played more, like that? Yeah. Have you
1: yeah, always played so like that? Get, yeah. Yeah, always have. So um I got it off my dad, so you can get that uh, rim shot skin. Yeah,
0: you can get, get a thing going out on of it. Yeah. You yep. can get that bah,
1: bah. I've got the mm. snare drum, it's a Chad Smith one. But um I've had it kind of I would say customized, but I've had some little tweaks to it and it, the sound engineer said it's probably the loudest snare in New Zealand because I like my snares like really loud. That's yeah. one of my things and um, it's no good in studio. It just right. destroys the compression. It's just, yeah. But um, for live, it's so loud, you don't even need it, any monitors on it. It's yep. just loud. And that's, I've always like. I'm a big fan of copper snares. So, when I hit with a stick, like right at the tail button of it, it just adds a lot more bite, um, yep. especially when you when it and they hit the height and gotcha. it cuts through, it gets this real back pocket feel. Yep. Yeah, because I I do table type my um, snare skins almost to the point where they will rip. I'm like, oh, right. yeah, yeah, and then I have to loosen them off when we get on the plane, or they'll rip apart for yeah, the compress- pressure. Yeah, right. So but, Yeah, I table typed them up and it kind of because I was a big fan of Will Calhoun mm-hmm. and um, um, Deftones, I used to love that.
0: Oh, de- that Deftone de- snare, <laughs> blah, blah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so for live, that's what I was. That's what I my snare kind of sounds more like that because right. it needs that more energy in the songs. I got gotcha. it. So I have it quite, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: good. and I've always who, had that. Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: do you know who I reckon's got one of the loudest snares in New Zealand, Is it? Darren? Oh, Darren yeah, Mabison, that man. side, that side, the side snare he's got, yeah, it's like a man. It's like I don't know how many plies thick it is. Um, yeah, they they came out to Sydney last year. And we, we went out and saw the show, and he, he oh,
2: showed yeah, me yeah. the
0: snare at the end. And oh fuck, man, because I, yeah. I was standing side stage, listening to them, and this thing, man, is what He was saying sometimes they don't even put a mic on it. Nah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, man.
1: yeah, yeah. You yeah. weren't even did a mic on that one. That's yeah. that's. Idealer. Who has mm. there? There's another drummer, um, Shannon Asaya He lives mm. in Sydney now. Um mm. uh, man, he was a good drummer. I think he played for I forgot the band. They were like a um a new metal band back in the 2000s kind of the mm. corn era. Mm. Oh, that guy, snare drum man. He was one of my favorite snare hitters. Yeah, oh, he's right. just this big guy with long hair. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> was like, Ooh, you know yeah, yeah but down on the pocket yeah good times
0: yeah bro that's awesome um i think we just about covered it bro that's
1: awesome
0: that was awesome wicked, man. man
1: nah thank you
0: nah, bro. Um, <laughs> can't wait to um yeah catch you in a few weeks in, in sydney and hopefully we can catch up after man and
1: Definitely I was yeah. thinking Maybe we yeah. go Even before If you want to come Hang out with us And we have some beers Or just a good chat Talk drums Oh that'd be cool
0: uh, Yeah Man will be
1: real. I mean You don't need tickets Obviously you just Come along I've got you sorted Or whoever you want To bring along We'll just get you in No worries don't awesome.
0: to, Oh we, yeah bro We've already bought Our tickets man No, We, oh, we pay our way Yeah, Come we, backstage yeah, cool. yeah. yeah Come hang yeah. Man you, you You know You realised you let out Some real trade secrets eh? <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be all these little mini LA, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> little mini LA B clone bands, you know, following your model now. Credit to you, um, to be able to even, you know, be open with that stuff. Um, there's a lot of people that keep those kind of things to themselves, and I mean, good for them, that's that's fine, but um, man, you know, you're veteran now, and and um, when I say veteran, you're not old, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, you guys have You know, Cheers, been bro. in the game a long time, and it's it's um, it's awesome that you can share that stuff.
1: Thank you very much, um, man.
0: And, and like I said, yeah, looking forward to catching up in Sydney, brother.
1: Yeah, can't wait, brother, and, and appreciate your time and, and doing this interview, man. So I'm looking forward no, too easy. Yeah, man. three yeah. weeks, boy, that's right. us.
0: I know, bro, can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah bro. All right, Brad. I'll be in touch, bro. I'll talk to you. Yeah. Talk to you in the next few days. Okay, my well, brother. Take care. Okay, All brother. Right, bro. Okay. All right. Cheers, Brad. Catch Later, brother. Catch you, brother.